welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 207th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 691st episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of April 1st, 2021. I am your host, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment occurred on Sunday when Mike Woodson was named Indiana's 30th head coach of the men's basketball team. Along with the hiring of Mike Woodson, it was also announced that Thad Motto was being hired as associate AD for men's basketball. There we go, the announcement we've been waiting for ever since the release of Archie Miller. Mike Woodson was formally introduced during a press conference where he made clear his desire to bring Indiana basketball back to its winning ways. There have been many discussions this week about the pros and the cons of the hire, with the truth being that no one really knows how this is going to work out until time passes and we see the product on the court. Early news, it's positive. With the retaining of Kenya Hunter as assistant coach, the return of Parker Stewart from the transfer portal, and two recent recruits uh, recommitting and staying with the Indiana program. We at the Assembly Call would like to welcome Coach Woodson back home, and we wish him nothing but great success in building Indiana basketball back to where it belongs. Andy is off this week. Uh, He's keeping his priorities in order by putting his family first during their spring break. But while he hasn't had a chance yet to share his thoughts on the Mike Woodson hire here on our show, he was a guest on Crimson Cast earlier this week, so make sure you get Andy's voice of reason there on that podcast. Jared is standing outside Porter Moser's window with a boombox, hoping to convince him to join Mike Woodson's staff as an assistant, so he also will not be with us tonight. Good luck with that, Jared. Uh, But here uh, to my left... Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. Ryan, uh, your last appearance on the assembly call was easily the most polarizing segment in the history of this show. Uh, what would you like to rant about this week? Uh, you're muted there. Ryan, one of the first times in of show, course in show history yeah, it, that you were muted and didn't have anything to say. I think history. somebody, I think somebody did that on purpose. I really okay. do. I think they're, they're trying to prevent me from talking. No, I, I think um, you have to understand where I have been coming from in this. And, and it's not that I'm not rooting for Mike Woodson and don't want him to be successful. And I'm not just absolutely praying guys. I'm praying for him to be successful. You know how hard it is to do these post game shows after a loss. I want as many wins as possible. Whoever is coaching, I want that. Uh, I think in the initial blush of the hiring, I, I had some skepticism about it because Mike Woodson's 63 and he's never built a, a college program. And we've seen a lot of uh, coaches go from the NBA to college and not be successful. There's a laundry list of them we could, we could go into. Um, there have been guys who have been successful as well. My only concern was that he never coached in college and, and all of that stuff. And and as the week has gone on, and I've said repeatedly, it doesn't mean I, I don't think he can win and I don't think he'll be successful here. It's just I have some skepticism about certain aspects of the job and, and whether he can do it. Um, but what I will say is 
the more this week has gone on and the more some things have happened, I felt better about it. Certainly, uh, certainly with the Thad Mata addition, I think is, is brilliant for Indiana. Given that Woodson hasn't built a college program before, what do you do? You go out and get one of the best program builders of the last two decades to basically assist him behind the scenes and show him how it's done. Great hire. Cannot argue with the Mata hire. I wrote it to big lead this week that I think the Mata hire is going to have a lot to do with how successful Woodson is one way or the other. If those guys work really well together, and it seems like they will. Woodson was the one who was interested in having Mata around. If that works out, I think that's brilliant. Uh, being able to retain Kenya Hunter immediately is a huge deal for this, this program. Kenya Hunter is in with a ton of recruits for 2022. All of the big names Indiana's chasing. Kenya Hunter is pretty much the point guy on the recruitment, at least most of them. Um, and so I think that being able to get him to come back and, and also, you know, you keep Parker Stewart with that as well. Parker Stewart's a kid who in an NBA style sort of open offense with a lot of threes is going to fit really well. Um, look, I think that I felt better as this week has gone on about it. I still, I'm not saying this is a home run hire, but I don't think any, anybody can say that about any hire. I, Chris, Chris Beard to Texas fits great there. I'm not saying he's going to go win national championships at Texas because you can't say that. You know, we, we're going to have to see how this plays out over the new, next few weeks, how the staff fills out. Certainly feel better now than I than I did uh, last week uh, or, the, or, or earlier this week. But there, there's still some question marks. How is his system going to translate all of that? We'll see that play out over time. But um, I do think it's an exciting time for Indiana basketball. I, I, I've never shied from saying, away, it's from saying that the amount of positivity uh, around the program right now is far different than we saw over the last maybe two years. And and I think that it's nice to see Indiana fans excited about the future. And that's something we haven't had for, for a long time. So uh, will Mike Woodson be the guy to hang banner number six? I don't know. Uh, and I certainly have questions about whether that'll happen, but I certainly agree with, um, you know, the fact uh, with every move they've made so far along with bringing in Mike Woodson. You know, Ryan, I classify this as I feel good about the decision. Uh, I'm not one of those that's feeling great and jumping all the way in um, because I do think there are some legitimate uh, concerns. Uh, but again, agree with you that this week has been really uh, moves in the right direction to ease some of those uh, concerns that I had upon the initial uh, word of, of his uh, hiring. Uh, and our special guest tonight is to my right. He runs one of the best IU Twitter accounts out there. He has one of the world's most envied collection of IU memorabilia, which you can see some of it in the background. Uh, and he's ready to run through a brick wall for Coach Woodson. Uh, he is Chris Williams, also known as IU Artifacts. Chris, what's on your mind uh, this week about Indiana basketball? Well, it's spring in Bloomington. So first of all, it's about as good as you can get around here. Uh, the students are enjoying that. Everybody's out and about, although it was cold and blustery today and it was actually snowing, uh, which was not fun. But um, I'm not going to lie and say that I was hoping that Woodson would be the hire. Um, you know, I think we could have gone in a lot of different directions, but I'm on board with it. Uh, the Mata situation definitely makes things a little bit more uh, comforting, I would say. Um, in his position, retaining Kenya Hunter is big, obviously, for – you know, a transition uh, from the previous staff and the players, you know, understanding uh, and, and knowing somebody in a, in a familiar face and obviously with keeping some guys out of the portal. Uh, I'd like to see what he does with the rest of his uh, coaching staff. I think that's going to be big. 
uh, moving forward. But the one thing that, you know, as much as historically, I, you know, I'm a history guy, I love Woodson, you know, what he did at IU and what he represents. Um, history's not on his side uh, in terms of an alma mater uh, situation where a player is coming back and being successful. We've only seen that happen a few times and, and it's largely not been a successful experiment. Um, obviously I'm hoping for something different. I feel like something's going to be different, uh, this time around, but, um, it's exciting times. I, I, you know, the, the whole situation of kind of just transitioning out of the Archie Miller era really quick. It just seems like it's, it was a quick move on. Uh, let's move on and get started now. And, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to look back historically at what the Archie Miller era represented in IU history, but I'm ready for the Mike Woodson era and uh, ready to see what happens. Chris, do you have any um, any gear or anything from Mike Woodson's playing days? I, uh, I happen to have a, a jersey of, of Coach Woodson's that uh, nice. I prominently display on a wall in my room. Which They uh, didn't steal that for the press conference, right? You still have it. It's, no, uh, I, okay. I made an interesting observation, uh, and people will call me a jersey nerd for this, but that was in indeed a Peter Jerkin jersey that they were using. Wow. Of all, of all, the, of all the, uh, the choices to use uh, a Peter Jerkin jersey, but it was just kind of a – yeah, it was an interesting uh, moment. Chris, who are some other 42s? Do we have? Well, you got Scott May. I mean, Scott May was the yeah. obvious one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah those, yeah. those are the two that are off the biggest. Those are the two biggest ones off the top of my head. Um, there was a few guys in the 80s that, you know, John Flowers played in the early 80s. But in terms of notoriety, it doesn't get much better. Those are the kind two. Of, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brian Tonsoni wore 42 in high school uh, for the Laporte Slicers. So there's another prominent number 42 uh, in, I, in Indiana history. <laughs> So I was on an I was 22 and I was on an AAU team with another guy who was married to 22 and had been on the AAU team one week longer than me. So I had to wear 42. So there that's another 42. Hey, it's what we all have in common. So okay, here's here's what we're going to cover this week uh, on Assembly Call Radio. The, obviously, who's your headlines? Our main uh, topic is what might Mike Woodson's first IU team look like style wise, and then we'll end as we always do by answering your questions. All of that coming up on Assembly Call Radio. First, a quick word from our a new supporter of the podcast, Playbook Products. If you missed Jared's story about them on this week's episode of the podcast with Mark Titus, Playbook Products makes unique stone and leather coasters as well as mugs that feature diagrams of famous plays in sports history. For Indiana, the featured plays are the watch shot, Keith Smart shot, Kirk Hastings shot, and the final play of the 1976 NCAA championship game that clinched the last undefeated season in college history college basketball history go ucla go bruins keep it that way please uh, a few years ago andy actually got jared these coasters as a gift and he's been using them ever since and now you can get them too and you can support the assembly call in the process go to assemblycall.com backslash pp that's assemblycall.com backslash pp for playbook product um, products and browse their iu items but don't stop there. They have similar coasters and mugs for every NFL team, Major League Baseball team, NBA team, and every NHL team, plus a bunch of other colleges if you choose. In other words, there is something for you or any sports fan in your life at Playbook Products. And when you use that URL, assemblycall.com backslash the letters PP, they know that we sent you and we get a 15% commission on your entire order. In fact, we sent out an email about Playbook products last week, and 30 sets of coasters have already been purchased using our URL, which makes sense. It's an incredible product 
and our audience never fails to step up and support us. So go to Assembly Call backslash the letters PP and pick out your coasters and mugs today. That's assemblycall.com backslash PP. All right, here we go. Let's hit a few Hoosier um, headlines. Congrats to the women's team on an excellent season, getting all the way to the Elite Eight. Um, and good news, uh, Allie Patberg is returning. Um, and so it looks like the ent- entire starting lineup may be back for our IU women's basketball team, and they will be a fun one to, to watch. Uh, we had some really good news that's kind of been hit upon in our opening statements. Kenya Hunter is, is back as uh, an assistant coach, and, and his recruiting chops will really help Coach Woodson. Parker Stewart, who came to Indiana because of a relationship with Kenya Hunter, has now removed himself from the transfer portal and will be staying uh, and playing his first game next November for the Indiana Hoosiers. Recruits C.J. Gunn, who will be here in a couple of years, and Logan Duncombe, who will be here next year, also recommitted after having conversations with Coach Woodson. Um, And then uh, the one transfer out that we know is Al Durham, uh, fifth-year seniors, decided to take uh, his talents to – to Providence, and so we wish uh, Al a lot of luck there in in his final year in college basketball. Uh, and then our hope uh, is out for those UCLA Bruins to stop Gonzaga. It seems like a long shot because Gonzaga's playing really well. You know, we hope uh, Coach Lewis uh, and uh, Coach Cronin out there can find a way to defeat Gonzaga so it can keep the Indiana streak um, undefeated streak uh, headed in the right direction. Um, Chris, any any thoughts on uh, some of the? Let's focus on the guys. Uh, the news we had this week. I know Ryan has has mentioned some of it, and you ha- you did as well. Um, your thoughts on on some of the news that we heard this week, and why it's so important uh, in in this first week of uh, the new regime. Uh, you know, keeping Kenya Hunter, I think, was a no brainer. Um, not only from a uh, personnel standpoint to relate to the players that we have on staff, and and nice transition, but also his, his ties all over the country are going to be extremely important for, for coach Woodson, who's dipping his toes in, in the college scene and trying to understand the recruiting process that way. So that was big. Um, I'm anxious to see what Parker Stewart, Parker Stewart's going to do. Um, you know, I, I think that, that obviously was a no brainer for him because I think in his situation, he wants consistency and keeping a guy like Hunter around is going to be big. It'll be interesting to see the impact that he has on that decision has on the other players that I know coach Woodson's been meeting with this week and and trying to entice to return. Uh, I obviously don't expect everybody in the portal to return. Uh, Coach Woodson's kind of hinted that, that, you know, um, he's kind of looking at the guys that he thinks that are going to make the biggest impact and then kind of go after the others that are in the portal right now. And that's going to be an interesting situation with this portal situation because um, it's a whole new ball game with this extra free year. And I think that's going to play, play a big difference. You know, you mentioned the um, pivoting to the 76. I spoke with a guy who uh, earlier today from a newspaper in Spokane uh, about our, our reaction and how we feel about the the situation with Gonzaga going into the final four undefeated. And we've, we've seen that before. Um, you know, UNLV has done it. There's other teams as well, but um, you know, we Kentucky. think back Kentucky. Yeah. We, we, you know, there were three teams in the seventies that one had undefeated seasons. UCLA had two back to back and then Indiana yep. in, in 76. It's, it, it's a bigger deal now because it's not happened in the style, you know, the, the, the dynamics of teams were, your best players are not staying four years. They're 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 moving on. Um, Schedules way different. Yeah, I mean, more yeah. games. And, yeah, and and we talked about. He asked me. We were talking about. You know, is there going to be you know this kind of 
you know, asterisk attitude towards this season. And I said, well, you know, we can argue all we want about the West Coast Conference. We can argue all you want about Gonzaga not playing some of the preseason Power Five teams that they may have. But you still have to go in and you have to win every game. You still have to go in and and, and deal with the pressure. So from a personal standpoint, does it hurt a little bit more if Gonzaga wins it this year, given the fact that we didn't have the season that we've wanted to have for now four straight seasons? Yeah. But records are made to be broken, and at the end of the day, uh, it is what it is. Am I going to root against Gonzaga? Of course, but <laughs> uh, I'm going to. Am I going to be upset if they win? No, because they were the best team in college basketball season, and if they win, they win. But it's interesting because I haven't seen a whole lot of negative rhetoric, at least from my end, going into this Gonzaga team. For the most part, people are acknowledging that they are a really damn good bit, uh, basketball team, and that's a fact. I think yeah, you're I absolutely. Think... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, go ahead, coach. I think this, from a coach's standpoint, watching Gonzaga is just—it's just beautiful. Um, the way they play together, the way their skill set is, the way their players uh, execute the fundamentals, the way they guard—I mean, you name an aspect. The pieces of, all fit perfectly. Yes, like they just all fit perfectly. So, if it happens to be undefeated champion, that would be what you would want to 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 be to match. You know. The, the 76 team and, and times change that Indiana went what 32 and oh and now you play in a regular season uh, unless this year with COVID you play 31 games and then there's more games in the tournament too so and your conference you know yeah, the conference, and, and but, so mean, you know if they do it congratulations and it's the kind of team that you I think you would want um to to really uh break that record if they had to well, let's be let me, let's be real about Gonzaga real quick, because people are going to knock them for the West Coast Conference, and I agree. Like you can't compare the West Coast Conference to the Big Ten. I understand that, uh, but they beat Kansas, Auburn, West Virginia. We're scheduled to play Baylor, the number two team in the country, and then that got canceled for COVID reasons. They beat Iowa. They beat Virginia. I mean, they played good teams early on, and then obviously blitzed through there. And and the thing about them is. How many double-digit wins did they have? It felt like all of them were double-digit wins or blowouts. I mean, it's not like they played close with people. And in this tournament, you know, you, USC was playing incredibly well, Had a, has NBA guys on that team. They played a zone, meant to slow Gonzaga down, and had length and all that. They, I mean, that wasn't a game after five minutes. You know, I mean, they just blow people away. And, I, you know, I'll tell you, watching this team, and this doesn't mean that they can't lose. That Kentucky team that lost in the Final Four – was as good as any college basketball team that year and as good as any college basketball team in the five years prior. They were unbelievable, and Wisconsin just beat them. Gonzaga could lose, and certainly if they play Baylor in the final, I think Gonzaga's a step above Baylor, but if Baylor gets hot from three, they could beat Gonzaga, sure. Anybody can lose at any time. But if you just told, like had me line up the best college basketball teams I've watched, this Gonzaga team is right up there with North Carolina in 2009. That Go ahead. You have, hey, go ahead. you have to acknowledge that this team, you know, I was listening to Mike Lewis on Dockage today, and and Lewis acknowledged that Gonzaga is the king of the West Coast. It's 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 without a doubt. You can't yeah. look at it just because they're in a weaker conference. I think they would run the show in the Pac-12. I think there's no doubt about it because they are getting. It's not like you know Mark Few's taking two and three star guys. Right. They have not four anymore. Five, yeah. yeah. Exactly. There are four and five star guys on that team that are lottery picks. In, in the NBA draft next year, you know, you know, and, and it's, and their bench has like the number one international player from two exactly. years ago. And then exactly. the number three international player from three years ago or two yeah. or last year. It's not a fluke. It's not a no. fluke. 
They're yeah. loaded. And Few's yeah. a great coach. Few has always been a great coach. And now yeah. he's got players that can match up with that. Like Jalen Suggs is going to be a top five pick in the NBA draft. And somehow he got him to go to Gonzaga. Like it's, yep. you know, I mean. And you got to credit there, Few, Few for staying there too and not using Gonzaga as a stepping stone and making that a big He could have gone to UCLA. Be, a big or time like program. That. And not, that's not to say he might not go with, with some of the job openings. You know, North Carolina is open. Uh, you know, they usually go in house though um, in some fashion. Um, and you're seeing some other programs uh, open up. But uh, Ryan, I want to send this to you. Uh, commit CJ Gunn and Logan Duncan, who have not played at IU yet, but committed to the prior staff, came out this week and said after talking with Coach Woodson, is there that that I'm that's a positive. I know that's a positive, but what does that say about Coach Woodson that these guys really weren't recruited for a year, year and a half and built the relationships with someone totally else? And within a week, uh, Coach Woodson ha- has them uh, staying with Indiana. I, I think that's a, a really big positive for me looking at that the way he's talking to the kids and the parents. What I would say it tells me because you haven't built a relationship yet. And so you're really selling at that point. You might sell your system a little bit, but they haven't seen it. You know, it's like he's it's like, it's not like he's coming from being the head coach of the Knicks where they could have watched it on TV. And, you know, he was been an assistant for the last couple of years. And so what I think it tells me is that Woodson's really good at selling the school. He's really good at selling the university and telling kids, hey, this is a place you want to be. And, and look, the message to all these kids should be, look, if you come and play at Indiana and it doesn't work out professionally or you want to go play professional, you know, internationally for a couple of years, you come back, you're getting a job in the state somewhere because that happens to former IU basketball players. Somebody will hire you in the state if you played at IU. The connections at Indiana are that. They are incredible connections. And so his ability to sell the university as much as his program is going to be enormous because he's a guy who can say, Hey, I went there. I turned out pretty good. You know, I mean this, I'm in a good spot. Look, and with CJ, I think CJ really wanted to go to IU regardless of who was, who was there. I, I really got that feeling that he just really loved Indiana. Logan Duncan, I think he committed to the prior staff, but I think that again, it's, it's a guy who really fell in love with the idea of playing at Indiana and so I think both guys were looking for a reason to commit, to recommit. You know, I mean, they, they were they were going to have to be kind of forced out to not go. So I don't I don't think it tells us a ton about what it's going to be like to with uncommitted recruits. But it's a good sign that he's able to the guys who are looking for a reason to commit to IU. He's able to secure their commitments. And, and you know, again, uh, getting Parker Stewart back, some of the other guys, in, you know, who are entering the transfer portal, the, the word is that, you know, now they're reconsidering maybe leaving. But, I mean, we don't know what they're going to decide. They've had a couple weeks where it looked like, hey, leaving looks like a pretty good option, and now they're going to have to be reeled back. So I mean, it's not going to be a snap of the fingers. But it does say that, you know, he's selling some vision to people that they're buying. You know, and, and the, the Parker Stewart uh, is the last thing we'll cover here in, in our first segment. But um, we haven't seen him play. Um, but what has been missing from this Indiana program is, is that scorer and that shooter. Uh, as a freshman in the ACC playing for Pittsburgh, who struggled that year, he, he was able to average 9.1 uh, uh, points. And he I, I don't have his three-point percentage from that year, but, but it was a solid percentage. Uh, then he transferred to be with his dad, um, and he sat out a year. But then he was the major ball handler, major scorer at, at uh, UT Martin. 
uh, and averaged some, uh, you know, some good amount of points. His three point percentage dropped a little bit, but it was volume uh, situation. Volume, yeah. It was a volume situation. So, you know, and, and then unfortunately, uh, he lost his dad, uh, and, and that's what brought him to in- Indiana and, and Kenya Hunter. I think this young man's going to be, uh, from a skill standpoint, an excellent addition uh, to Indiana, and, and we'll have to wait and see to be to be truthful with that, but. What what you've seen in his statistics, and then the story too. I think he's going to play with an edge um, for a variety of reasons, uh, and that always oh, bodes well. Your guys' thoughts? Uh, I don't care who who wants to take that. Parker Stewart coming back. Chris, we'll go your way first. Yeah, I think if you listen to what Woodson wants to do with the offense, he wants to spread the floor. He wants to have the ability to dump it down and then pass it out. It's essentially what we've been lacking is we've had the postman who can, you know, be the playmaker, but we've seen it for the last four years, there's a double and triple team because we can't shoot the ball. So if Woodson is true to his word and wants to bring in shooters, which I would be shocked if he's not, given the fact that he's one of the best shooters in IU history, I mean, he is a shooter, but um, I, I don't see why that that's not something that's a possibility, definitely. And I think Stewart brings a lot to the table. Um, now, will he adjust well to the Big Ten? Um, I hope so. I mean, you know, he had to – obviously – for his situation, of course, he's not, you know, you're not going to rush somebody like that back in that situation uh, and put him in a position where he's not physically ready to go or emotionally or mentally. But if he's, if he can knock down the shots, I think that's a good start to the pieces that we need and to fit the kind of system that Woodson wants to play and be a team that can shoot the ball. I mean, there's no reason we can't lead the team in free in, you know, three point percentage like we did under Crean for a couple of seasons. There's no reason that we can't do that and bring in guys that are going to shoot the ball and shoot it well. And play defense. Ryan, your thoughts on the the Stewart uh, removing his name from the transfer portal? Yeah, I think it's big because it gives you a scorer and, and, and somebody who's scored in a major conference before. Now, do I think he's going to lead the Big Ten in scoring or anything like that? No, but I think it gives you a guy who's a confident scorer, can shoot, maybe go get a bucket. And if you watch his highlights, that's a guy who can go find a shot and go get, a, go get you a basket. And so I think bringing him, obviously the most important person to bring back right now other than, you know, we're not considering Trace Jackson Davis because he's not in the portal, but of the portal guys, it's Armand Franklin. You've got to find a way to bring Armand Franklin back. Uh, you know, but without Armand, at least that gives you another guard who can who can score some and, and figure it out for you. And and he's got some size on the wing as well. So, uh, yeah, I think that, that it's a big piece of news. Uh, but getting any of these guys back because of depth issues is going to be a big piece of news. It's, it's late in the game. They're behind the eight ball with transfers because of the hire and, and – uh, everything like that. So it's just every guy you can get back is going to be big for the, the program. Okay, coming up on uh, Assembly Call Radio, um, we're going to uh, assess the little bit that we know, or at least we think we know about what Mike Woodson's first team at Indiana will look like, and we'll discuss the many question marks that still need answering. So stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.
Hey, this is Max Bielfeld, Big Ten champ and better than advertised sixth man of the year in 2016. And speaking of better than advertised, join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all the between-segment banner, then check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash assemblycall. Uh, I'm Brian Tonsoni, the coach, here with Ryan Phillips, Chris Williams, also known as IU Artifacts. And we're going to be talking a little bit about the roster, uh, potential style, uh, and then who would we? Uh, what kind of players we might want to bring in if we were helping uh, Coach Woodson uh, with the transfer portal here in our second segment? So uh, we do know that Parker Stewart, Anthony Leo, Trey Galloway, and Logan Duncan will definitely be uh, in the program. Uh, pl- uh, Rob Finnessy, um, Jerome Hunter, and Joey Brunk have not entered the portal, so they're likely to be back unless they change their mind. Uh, in the near future, Joey Brunk is more of a health issue. Does he is he healthy, and does he want to come back for an additional year? Uh, we just have not heard any comments from them um, one way or the other. But I do assume that those guys are back. Hunter was excited about the three ball uh, talk in the um, press conference, so I think that made him happy. And uh, so you know, depending on how you look at it, there's at least four confirmed with two others. That gives uh, six. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis is going to have a decision whether to uh, go uh, pro uh, and enter the draft or come back. Uh, He's not in the transfer portal. The players that are in are Armand, Lander, Race, and uh, Geronimo, and we await uh, their decision on whether they're going to go to to another school or or come back. Uh, As you see it, uh, Ryan, here, um, your thoughts on on what has happened with – the coaching change and players entering the transfer portal and, and what our listeners might be able to, to gauge how many you think are going to come back, how many you think uh, going to stay uh, or, or any individuals. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about Indiana and the transfer portal? Yeah, I, it's interesting. I mean, Armand Franklin is being, you know, offered by everybody. It seems like everybody sees his potential as going after him hard. And I know Illinois is Louisville, rumors that Michigan's reached out, Notre Dame. I mean, they're going after him because he's a good player who made himself a heck of a lot better. And teams see that and see that we can go get him. Um, I I would expect him to get a complete full-court press. I think Christian Lander wants to come back if he thinks he fits and if he thinks he'll be developed. Uh, So we'll see. Race, I know the pull of going home is pretty big for him and you know his dad played at Minnesota they have a lot of ties there there's a new staff at Minnesota it wouldn't be like going and playing for Richard Pitino in his final year I think there's a lot that makes sense there I've heard Jordan Geronimo's family would really like him to be back on the east coast I I don't know if that's gonna play out or not but I would say those four guys I I feel like Lander wants to come back from what I've heard uh, he just has to under, feel like, hey, are they going to make me better for the next level? Am I going to, is this going to work out? And so, I, but I do think, I think everybody agrees that he and Armand are the ones where you, like, you have to get them back. Like you have to do whatever you can to get them back. And I would say that, you know, Race Thompson, I would love to have him back because of the energy he provides. And there were games this year, there were 
probably a dozen games this year where he kept Indiana in it with his effort. So, I mean, you, you hope that with a new staff, everybody plays that way and, and gets keeps you in it with their effort. But race just has this ability to go out and get things done on the court uh, that we haven't seen a lot uh, out of the last five years for Indiana. So I would, uh, I think that obviously Armand's the guy they got to put the full court press on along with Lander, but you got to get race back if you can. I mean, he, he, basically you'd love to get, as many back as you can, because this roster was thin to begin with. And, and, you know, Archie Miller had banked some scholarships instead of, you know, uh, uh, using them. And, and that means that the lineup is going to be thin. Chris, your thoughts on, on the four guys in the portal, um, uh, about chances of coming back or, or what's going to happen here in the near future. I don't see all of them coming back. I, I just kind of listening to what Woodson said about, the style of players that are going to fit in what he wants to see, you know, obviously he's made it very clear. He, he even used the word bag with trace, um, which, you know, I, I think if he can sell trace on the idea of development, I think that would be huge. But, um, you know, I would like to see them all back because like Ryan said, we have other scholarships available. We can go in the portal and find other guys that are available. There's a lot of good talent. Now, does a Marcus Carr come from Minnesota? Does a Trey Mitchell come from UMass? I don't know. Um, I would love to see race back. I personally think he's going to go to Minnesota. I don't know why, but I just have a feeling for it. You know, they just got a new, I think it was Ben Johnson. Who's he's a, you know, he played in Minnesota. He was an assistant there. I think that's going to be a pull, uh, especially with his dad's ties to the school being one of the greatest football players ever there. I think that's going to be something. And I think that, you know, the, you know, playing at home, playing in your home state kind of thing and, or playing near home with Geronimo is going to be a pull that, if Geronimo doesn't see himself fitting in this new system, why, what's the point of staying? And I think, you know, Lander, I think, is the key if you don't see yourself getting Trace. Um, I think it would be a huge coup if if Trace is convinced with the writing on the wall that has been in there that he was likely going to go pro. If he can be convinced by Woodson that player development is going to be there and he can envision himself being in a better position next year with the draft and, and, and pro prospects, that would be unbelievable. But I think – Lander showed so much, you know, potential toward the end of the year with his ability to see the court. He still needs to work on his shot, obviously. But I, to me, I think the two biggest is going to be Trace and Lander. I would, I mean, I don't want to see Armand transfer either. But I think again, it's going to be come down to: Are you going to buy into the system that Coach Woodson's setting out for you? Are you going to buy into what he, what you hear from him in terms of player development? Or are you going to be a situation like with Armand where there are other suitors out there like, you know, that are going to offer you something a lot better? Because, you know, some of these big time Big Ten players are hearing from 30, 40, 50 schools. And, and again, it's just hearing from them. But it's not as if there's not other opportunities available that may be better off. But um, I would hope that we could get a majority of the guys back, of course. I mean, I don't want us to have to start from scratch. I don't want this to, you know, turn into a, you know, we're, bringing in every everybody possibly juco and 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 through the transfer route but uh it's inevitable that some guys are not going to stay yeah and, and right now there there are i count six guys on the roster and you bring in two or three guys out of the portal you're at nine for a year until you can get the landscape that you know you'd fill it with others too but that that, that wouldn't be bad if if ever in case everyone would decide but but i think a couple of these guys are going to stay and i think a couple are going to go the thing the thing with race and geronimo is what does woodson and this leads us into our next conversation too about the style we don't know what 
Woodson is thinking about style. He mentioned the four in around, you know, around one. Is that a little, um, what, what does that mean for that four position? What kind of athlete, what kind of player is Woodson looking for? You know, the, uh, there's a Furman transfer and I don't know his name, but he mentioned he was interested in Indiana, uh, Noah, um, something I, I should have had that written down. But looking at him, he's 6'8", and and he shot uh, 32% from three, 33% from three as a junior, and 40% as a sophomore. The volume went up this year, and his percentage went down. Uh, but he, he was a double-digit scorer. If that's the kind of four that you want to stretch it out and shoot the three, um, are you going to develop Geronimo and race to be that kind of player? You can do that. Or is that the kind of uh, fit, like you were talking about, Chris, where – you know, some players really don't fit into where Woodson sees as far as his positions. That's the likelihood of any players that you see transferring out. Woodson hopefully is being very honest and upfront is here's what we're going to run. Here's what the positions are going to look like. Uh, you know, we're not going to play that double low post offense that, that, that was here before. And, and either you're going to be in a backup role or you're going to be doing asked to do this and be honest with these kids and give them a shot. Race, race has been here for four years. You know, he had a redshirt year, and, and then he's been here for four years. So he, he's given Indiana University four years. So if, if he comes back, I love him. I think both he and Armand are those gritty, tough guys that we love, and we really would like to have them in the program. But I can understand if he did want to go after four years. Uh, you know, and uh, the, the one for me that I think is just special that I would really hate to see leave is Armand. I, I just think he could be a closer. Uh, he could be a three-point shooter. We are, we've already seen his ability to defend. It got better as a sophomore. It could get better with the, with the Woodson coaching. Um, I, I think he has a chance to have a special junior and senior year. And really, he's got three years if he needs to. Um, he might develop and be able to go to, to the next level, too. You never know. Armand's the one that I'm, I'm really looking for. And then you know, if I had to go number two, it probably would be Lander because point guards are so difficult. And, and we've seen Rob at times play well and Rob struggle. You're going to need some multiple. Um, if you have two and maybe you can develop them, that's great. You could go for your, your stretch four and your wings in the transfer portal. You don't have to worry about bringing in a, in a, in a new point guard. So that, that's, that's kind of where I'm at on, on the roster. I think you're going to see more shooting. I just hopefully – um, you'll see more shooting. Good um, Lord, I hope so. And you'll see Colin Castleton yeah. was the guy you were thinking of, Coach from what? Furman. Colin Colin Castleton was the guy you were thinking of. Yeah, that doesn't. Is that sound the guy? Fun. That doesn't. No, sound it was. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Noah Gurley. Noah, Noah Gurley. Gurley. Yeah. Yeah. Noah yeah. Gurley. I'm sorry. Um, that was the guy. That was the Florida guy. Castleton's yeah. the guy from Florida. And so, there's yeah. a Noah Locke, a six-three guard that um, someone has right. mentioned. Indiana has gone, shown some interest um, in the transfer portal. And I know that's one of our later questions too. There's over 1,200 uh, athletes in, in the portal, and you know, is you, that a lot? That seems like a lot. That that, that that's a lot. So. I, I'm not really confident in telling you guys, you know, who who Indiana is interested in. I'm not sure anyone really knows, um, other than what you hear uh, through social media. So, Ryan, your thoughts on, you know, Mike uh, Woodson didn't say a whole lot in his introductory press conference about what he was going to do style-wise. He kind of just hinted on some ma- some topics of shooting the three, some four out, one in. But there's so many designs that you can do in coaching offensively. Uh, my question is, I want pace. Uh, I want yeah. I want a little bit up of tempo. up tempo, pass up to the wing. If you're open from three, shoot it. You see that it happening in the NCAA tournament um, and, and defense. I believe he's going to be mostly man to man, but he's not going to be opposed to switching it up to a zone, a trap, some switching maybe uh, in order to win games. Your thoughts, uh, Ryan, on 
kind of what we might be able to say about a Mike Woodson style, our best guess at this point? Well, NBA guys said that relative to other NBA teams, his team's actually played a little slower. Right. And it was a lot of one-on-one stuff because he had Carmelo Anthony, who was kind of – but, you know, that might be because of personnel. I don't know. But they were efficient, but they were a little slower. And so I don't think we're going to get that up-tempo running style. Hopefully, maybe that, again, was a result of personnel and not his philosophy because I, I agree. I'd like to see some more up-tempo. I'd like to see some more, you know, quick offense that runs fast. Now, look, I mean, his first year, it may not look smooth because – you know, he's going to be installing everything with new people as well. So, and he's going to have to adjust to college and he's going to have to adjust his system and his offense to the college rules and to, you know, certain aspects of playing with players who can't knock down jumpers in their sleep like they can in the NBA. In the NBA, if you're open from 15 feet and there's nobody around you and you miss that shot, it's a headline, you know, it, but, but in, in, you know, I mean, everybody can shoot from 15 feet in the NBA unguarded. And so, because they do it professionally. Uh, so, I, you know, certain things will have to be adjusted. Certain things will have to be worked on. But but I think you can expect a more modern offense, certainly. He's coached under a lot of good coaches. You know, Doc Rivers, uh, Mike D'Antoni offensively is a great offense, is a great head coach. Uh, Larry Brown, you know, a, a lot of guys who have coached in, at that level and have been able to adjust their schemes. And I think the thing about the NBA that people – sort of miss is how much versatility there is, how much scheme versatility there is among these coaches. They Because again, you it's not like recruiting to personnel. You go out and you find high-priced guys and then you try and build an offense around them. It's not like college where you go out and find guys who fit your offense. It's, it's different. And so you have to be able to do multiple things as an NBA coach, offensively and defensively. And so I think that that's one thing we should expect is there's going to be some versatility with Mike Woodson. And he might one year run an offense that does certain things, but then go back to uh, offense he used in the NBA with different personnel that fits the personnel he's got. And maybe, you know, it's a sort of a hybrid of those things. And, and so certainly he's got a huge book of, you know, offensive yeah. sets, defensive sets, all of that after coaching for so long that he can work with. And and so that to me is better than somebody who's never done it before uh, or, or has never been a head coach and never had to make those calls. Uh, so that's probably one area that he's going to be a big benefit. Chris, your, your thoughts as, as you've seen uh, the press conference and heard him talk and, and just your thoughts about what we're going to see come November um, when the ball gets tipped off at uh, you know Assembly Hall, that very very first game. Well, I, I'm hoping to see this infamous Sweet Georgia Brown inbounds play that everybody keeps talking about. Um, honestly, if shots are falling, that's going to be a huge development from the last four years. I mean, we're I would hope that we're going to be a scoring team. I'm going to hope that we're going to be a team that's going to average more than 58 points a game. Um, now, if we average 58 points a game, but we have a shutdown defense, then if we're winning, I could care less. But he, he was pretty vague on his comments, and I'm not surprised by that. But he did yeah, he didn't about, reveal much. No, and all. that's fine. I'm not surprised. And I'm sure he's still going to figure out what scheme he wants to use. But he did hint at the fact that he wants versatility in his players that can switch on defense and guard different players and not have a guy like six feet tall guarding a seven footer down low and be stuck in that situation. But he wants guys that can play the two position, the three position or guard the four position in those situations. And I think that's huge. And I think that's a given, but I would like to see, you know, I just want to see scoring. I don't think that's 
a lot to ask. I don't think it's a lot to ask that we're a team that is an offensive threat but plays good defense. Uh, it's I so funny. Think- like after Crean left, everyone was like, "Oh my god, I just want to see somebody play some damn defense." <laughs> yeah. And then after Archie's leaving, it's like, "I just want to see somebody who makes a three. Yeah. That's all I want." You know, it's it yeah. is funny how it like, just swung. Let's just yeah. get both. Like, Can we just know? be consistent? Yeah. We, yeah. I don't I don't need to, you know, if if we're doing if we're top 10 in both Ken Palm, we're doing something right obviously, but I don't expect that. I just want it's got to be fun basketball. It can't be stagnant basketball. It can't be a situation where we're going on nine-minute scoring droughts. And I think that he sees the writing on the wall very clearly, and you can see in his in his conference. And, you know, his press conferences aren't going to wow you, you know, but he is genuine, he's honest, and he's going to be sincere in what he's saying. I think that is, you know, that to me is all you need. I don't need someone who needs to sell the press conference and be a wow guy like Crean was. I want a guy who's going to coach and put the – put the guys in a position to win and that's it. And if we win, I don't care what scheme we're using. I don't care how we're doing it. If we're winning, we're winning, you know, I, I've, you know, want to go back and see some things, but th- he was, you know, being praised for being creative on uh, his pick and roll defense uh, with, with Atlanta, I think, and, and being an innovator and a lot of coaches at, at every level are really good at finding matchups uh, in their offensive schemes. Well, that's the NBA does that all the time, right? Some college coaches just run some offense and do some things, but you know the dribble weave you see and some of that stuff is to get the the right matchups and attack. And that's the one thing that's always been impressive to me. You know, you look at uh, Nebraska with Fred Hoiberg. They they haven't been very good, but the reason they were competitive in games and scared every team that they played is because they were very good at moving that ball in a five out situation, finding the right matchup and attacking the worst defender and then forcing rotation and kicking and hitting threes and if they got hot they were going to pull off upsets well you get the right talent and start doing that uh, I think that's what bodes well um, for, for Indiana down the road and, and we just don't know uh, but Ryan you're right his playbook is just it's incredibly thick because uh, you know the pros they wake up at eight o'clock and they go to work and they design things for this game and they have then design this for that game and there's all kinds of uh, situations that's why you know uh, Micah Shrewsbury at Penn State who, who was working at Peru, Purdue came from Boston and really uh, did a nice job offensively uh, as an offensive kind of guru um, up north at, at Purdue that's the one thing about the NBA guys uh, and not saying that college guys don't have great offensive minds, but the NBA guys really understand both offense uh, and defense. And NBA gets a bad rap that they don't play defense. Um, they do play defense in the NBA. It's just that the talent is so good that people just pull up and and, and hit shots. So yeah, the I, Lakers I, I, won a ex- championship last year because of their defense. Right. Let's be honest; they played incredible defense in the bubble, and the team they were playing, the Heat. Yeah. got to the finals because of their defense. So, so the X and yes, O's don't worry me so much about Woodson. The style, there's a style that I'd like to see. I'd like to see, obviously, more three-point shooting and a little more transition. But, uh, you know, Chris, you're absolutely right. Let's win. And, and it needs a combination of defense and offense, not just a program that was defense, supposedly defensive-oriented like the last four years and couldn't score. Or, you know, let's score 90 and hope that we hold the other team to, you know, 89 like we had previously. So, um We've talked a little bit about the players uh, coming out of the transfer portal. I think we're all in agreement shooting, and, and that stretch four is probably the where, where they're looking at. Uh, this, I think, is um, is the next step. And, and, again, I don't know that we know these this answer, but we'll start with Chris. The, how quickly do you think uh, it's fair to expect a, a, a 
Coach Woodson to turn this around and get Indiana consistently in the in the top five, top six of the Big Ten, and a consistent uh, NCAA tournament team. Um, what what what's fair versus what? Do we, I mean, we all want it next year, obviously, uh, to happen immediately. But in your mind, what's fair on how quickly Indiana can return to some consistent top level Big Ten play? I would expect with the goals that he has in mind within two or three years. I, I, I'm not expecting competing for a Big Ten title next year. I mean, you know, if we want to look historically, yeah, Knight took a team to the Final Four in his second season, which, again, we're not going to – we can't make that comparison. But I the think – The world is different now. <laughs> that, thank you. Yes, it is. I, I think I think I'm hoping in two years, but as you and I were talking earlier, Coach, the one thing that Woodson has against him is history is not on his side here. Um, you really have to look at, you know, I think there's only three guys that could be wrong. There's only three guys that have gone to their alma mater and won titles. And that's Roy Williams, Jim Beheim, and Kevin Ollie. All right. And Ollie and it, washed out quick after. Exactly. That 14 season was a kind of a fluke. So we have to think we have to take that with a grain of salt and we have to look at all the situations that, yeah, Jamie Dixon had a good season at TCU, but they've, they've stunk. Anthony Dixon or Anthony Grant's done decent at, at Dayton, but they've stunk of late. And we saw the Mullen experience at St. John's, so that didn't work. And Ewing, if they had not gone on a run in the in the Big East tournament, it was going to be a quick exit for him probably in a couple seasons. Yep. So, so my thinking is is that now it's different with Indiana. It just is, and I'm I'm you know you, again we hear that all the time, but I think two years to three years is realistic to be competitive in the top half of the Big Ten. I'm not saying that we're going to be losing, have a losing record next year, but again, it's a new scheme and a new style, and some coaches are able to get that from day one, and others are not. But I'm willing to be patient for two seasons or three seasons because we saw what that ha- would happen last time. And I'm not saying that you know it it didn't end up largely the way it was supposed to, but I think we have to understand that we are an impatient fan base. But we have an IU guy in the, in place here, which is going to satisfy a huge portion of the po- of the population of our fan base that have been screaming for this for years. But we have to take that with a grain of salt that it is a transition for a guy who hasn't been a head coach in seven years and has not been a college coach. But I think realistically, with the right support staff and the the transition that Mata is going to help him with, I think two to three years you're going to see a team that is going to be competitive that is going to play competitive basketball, that's going to be fun to watch, and hopefully is competing for you know a top three, four spot in the, in the Big Ten. If Do I think we're going to compete for a Big Ten title in two years? No, but I would love to be surprised if, if, we, if that happens. I'm going to, I agree 100% with you, but I'm going to play a little devil's advocate. Um, you know, two years ago, in the second year of Archie Miller, Indiana was the second team out of the tournament, uh, despite the losing 11 out of 12 games. Then the third year, they were probably a 10 seed. And then this year, they were poised to be a, a 8, 9, 10 seed. Uh, if they win that Michigan State game and get to 13, they're likely to win one or two more games. And they might have been a 10 or 11 seed in the tournament, and that might have been three tournament teams in a row. So I'm going to throw it out to all those people who are just jumping in full you know, full go with, with Woodson. If, if he can turn around two or three games – um, you're looking at maybe a six, seven, eight, a big 10. Um, uh, and you're looking at getting back to the tournament sooner than those two or three years, even though I agree, every coach needs at least three years to get their system in before you say yes or no, he's going to make it, not make it. But I don't know. This program seems like it's been derailed, but it is 
closer to getting those bare minimums is what I'm talking about. The bare minimum is six, seven, and a couple of tournaments, uh, at least getting in the tournament to get started. And you're missing computers. That's all you're missing here. How many times? How many times this year did we come on here and be like, well, if they had somebody who could have knocked down two threes in this game, right. they would have won. Exactly. You know, and over the last three years... It's not rocket science. Yeah, if they, over the last three years, if they had two guys who could knock down two threes a game, they probably win over those three years 15 more games. Yep. No joke. I mean, that sounds like a lot, but no joke. that. Um, as for when we need to be back and when we'll know, we'll know if there's progress next year. I mean, we will because we'll see the offense. We'll see the defense. We know it won't be perfect. We know we'll be, you know, building something. But you should be able to tell. And pretty quickly with Archie Miller, you could tell, well, the defense is going to be different here than it was under Crean. Like, you'll you'll see things on the court. It may not be result in wins, but you will see gradual changes that will be like, oh, that guy who was with the other staff looks better, you know, and, and whether or not there's development things. Because the biggest indictment of the Archie Miller era is not the offense was slow. It's not the defense didn't live up to expectations. It was player development did not exist. Armand Franklin's the only guy who got better, and he got better in an offseason where he wasn't working with the coaches because of COVID. Race. So, yep. yeah, and, and Race got much better too. Race, I think, always kind of had that. He just never was healthy. You know, yeah. I mean, and that he became, year definitely helped him. Yeah, we he became the guy that that I think you look at the high school film and say, oh, that's what he's going to be. Now he got bigger because of Cliff Marshall, but I think that that he sort of became what he was supposed to. Al's development was very slow. It happened, but it was very slow. But if you listen to people, they would say that Al was working on his own and to an incredible degree to get where he got. So when you look at the program as a whole, though, year to year, you weren't seeing these big leaps for players often that you see at other Big Ten schools. And if you're at this level and you're in this conference, your guys got to be getting better every single year. And so... I, you know, I, I don't, right. I, I think, think that's going to be the biggest signal yeah, for me is, biggest, is that guys are getting the biggest thing you said that I, I, I agree with is you can see improvement in style of play and how the, and that development year to year, it might not result in wins right away until everyone gets comfortable and including coach Woodson and that, but you're going to be able to tell the style of defense, the style of offense, if, if that has a chance of playing out and winning games. Uh, and I think they're going to win a couple uh, games. I don't think they're going to get a Big Ten title for in a year or two, but I think they have a chance to make the tournament depending on the roster construction, uh, the kids coming back, and, and, the, and the transfer portal. That's where I trust Woodson, Mata, um, and Hunter, and then whoever else he brings in. I think their goal is to try to be competitive in the Big Ten next year. The Big Ten is losing uh, some players. Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin, heavy senior and heavy pro losses. Ohio State Rutgers likely to come back to the pack a little bit, and, and that's where Indiana can move up um, and, and and maybe not uh, be the 10th seed, be the 6th, 7th seed. That would be great progress, I think, um, in, in year one, two uh, for the Woodson regime. But then it gets to consistency, and the key word is as soon as possible can you get consistent play on both ends and consistent amounts of wins uh, to get back to where it was like Wisconsin, who's always in the top four, top five. That's got to be the goal of getting there um, uh, as soon as possible. So, all right, coming up on our third segment, we'll answer uh, your questions, and we have a lot of good questions. This will be fun. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call.
sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Welcome back, everyone. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, uh, here with Ryan Phillips and Chris Williams. Uh, remember, you need to be subscribed to our uh, email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU news roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed postgame analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. It's now time for our mailbag. All questions were submitted via Twitter or via our IU basketball discussion community at assemblycall.com backslash community. We've been doing some really good things in there. I urge people uh, to come join us there on the question uh, on the community. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's Mediocre Question. And for the mediocre question of the week, Jay says, we're four days into the Mike Woodson tenure, and it seems that IU's already being more aggressive going after transfers than at any point in the Archie Miller era. Given the success we've seen other programs have with transfers, Michigan, UCLA, Ohio State, Arkansas, why do you think Archie was so hesitant to pursue these players? Ryan, I'll send that to you uh, for your thoughts. I don't know. Uh, I can't answer that. I think they did look into and explore some transfers, but they just never came out on top. And, and it might be the style of play. You know, guys were like, you know, maybe if they were trying to score more and saw Archie's offense and said, no, that's that's not what I'm going to do. But it also could be the fact that Archie ran the pack line. And to be good at the pack line, you kind of got to be in the pack line for a while. So maybe, you know, you're not just going to fill your roster with guys who are not going to be able to play your system. And so I think that that's part of it. Uh, it looked like there had to be a certain um, kind of guy who fit. Um, but I, I think that we've definitely seen Indiana be aggressive with transfers, but I think Kenya Hunter has brought that to the program as well. Since he arrived last year, he got Parker Stewart. They've been attached to some guys. Even when Archie was still here, they were kind of attached to some guys that, who were going to become available if Archie stayed even. So I think that is just, look, it's modern basketball now is that every good team has a transfer on it, it feels like. And if not, it's because they've recruited incredibly well. But guess what? If you miss in recruiting, you may have to go out and get a transfer to fill that gap. And so it's just part of the game these days. Chris, your thoughts on on Archie's use or lack of use of the transfer portal um, in his tenure? Yeah, it's kind of puzzling. Um, you know, I kind of echoing what Ryan said, but yeah, the defensive scheme that – Archie runs is not a thing you learn overnight. It's going to take some time. Obviously, it did take some time, but I, I, it was mind it was mind boggling that you know we had you know we weren't creening players by trying to force them out of the program. We couldn't get guys into the program, and we were always stuck with these unused scholarships. So even either he was extremely selective with who he wanted, or we weren't just making we weren't getting the pickups uh, that we had hoped for, and and 
to me, you know, could that have changed anything? I don't know. I mean, it, we can think about it from all different angles, but uh, it's one of those things that is still puzzling that we didn't, um, you know, we didn't seem to get the guys in that would fit the system immediately. And maybe that was, uh, that was a key given the, the, the schemes that we ran. Um, another question, um, we'll, we'll jump down here uh, to elbows in. Uh, our last Archie question, then we'll get back to Coach Wood because that's the future uh, um, of – or Woodson because that's the future of the program. Um, Elbows in ask, as we begin to look forward in the Woodson era and reflect less on what Archie didn't do, I'm curious about past Archie players. Which one Archie Miller era player gets your gold jersey for his effort as an Archie Miller uh, playing under Archie Miller? Uh, Chris, your, your thoughts on who you think that the best player will be from, from that era? Uh – you know, I would have to look at a Robert Johnson situation just from a scoring standpoint. Um, and he was a fan favorite in this house. So I would, my vote would have to go with Robert Johnson just because I think he's kind of forgotten because of that first se- season, which yeah. a lot of people point out. It was as the year a, he was supposed to be the lead guy, you know, and it was yes. kind of a bad year. And, you know, and that's ironically one of the seasons we shot the best from behind the arc. Not surprising, but um, yeah, I'd have to go with Robert Johnson. Ryan. Oh, man, that's tough because I have two. Um, Al certainly was the most successful under Archie. If you look at the thousand point score and and what he came from being a guy who was recruited by somebody else as a low three star and wound up being, you know, arguably the most integral offensive player outside of Trace Jackson Davis during Archie's tenure. Uh, it's, it's between he and Romeo for me uh, because Romeo was the guy of Archie saying, you know, get landing Romeo was the last time everybody at IU was fully on board with, with Archie Miller's tenure, but I'm going to stick with, uh, you know, I remember, I remember that day and there was just joy in the streets in Bloomington and, and, and across Hoosier nation. I mean, I certainly, when he committed ran outside and ran some circles around the, around the block, I was so excited about it, but um, I, I would have to say Al just because, you know, the numbers he put up in that time and, and what he dealt with and still, came at it every day with a smile and, and uh, was one of those guys you, you really liked and, as well as a guy who got things done on the court. He was a thousand point scorer. And you know, how many Chris, you know, how many guys in Indiana history have done that? 53. Yeah. So it's like 50 ish uh, yeah, in the yeah. history of Indiana basketball. Well, and Alberta. here's the thing about Al, one of the absolute most genuine, nicest people you'll yes. ever meet. And that was, I'll tell you, from from my nine year old standpoint, he will forever be his hero. That you know, and he was absolutely distraught when I told him that unfortunately Al was going to Providence and not mm-hmm. coming back for another year. So my oldest Damon is still uh, recovering from that. So for 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 great me, it, kid, just a great great yeah. kid. For me, it's Jawan Morgan. Um, I think the it's best player was Romeo, um, but Jawan Morgan, um, the development from a seven point per game before Archie got there, and then in two years uh, forced to play the five when he, he didn't really want to, and he was a little out of position, and yet um, played so well, uh, double figures, and then ended up getting some time in the NBA. Um, I think you know that was the development piece there, similar to, to Al Durham, um, his time. That, that, would be, that would be mine. So uh, Phil asked, and, and we've answered a lot of these questions about the transfer portal. I think we've answered, so we can kind of just kind of uh, acknowledge the people and thank them for asking the questions and move through this. But Phil said, I'm traveling, missed happy hour last night. 
a happy hour in our community. We do have some meetings where we do Zoom meetings and just sit around and, and talk as fans. Another reason why to to give it some consideration to joining um, the Assembly Call basketball community. But he missed that, and he said he's going to miss tonight's show, but he'll listen back. He goes, what's the status of the remaining players in the transfer portal? We've already talked about that. Who are the candidates coming in? We've kind of talked about that, although we really don't know a lot. His we really third, don't know. His third question is, will Michael Lewis be approached by the uh, for the assistant position, or will Mike Roberts be retained? I think both of those um, are under consideration. We don't have anything definitive yet. Uh, there have uh, been no I can say, for that I, name, too. I can say something. Uh, Mike Roberts is not, as of now, expected to be retained, I think. I think Hunter is the one guy from the staff yeah. they were retaining. And I think that, you know, everybody likes Mike, but I think that it's it's Woodson's staff. He needs to bring in his guys. Yeah. And uh as far as Michael Lewis, uh we don't know. He's currently coaching UCLA. You know, I mean that that's essentially what you can say about it. I think that there are certain people who at IU who would certainly love to have him. Um I don't know any more than that that I can say definitively, but uh, he's certainly an attractive candidate, but at the same time, he's having a lot of success at UCLA. So um, we don't know. He's certainly in a comfortable position at UCLA right now with a good team, and they're going to probably be better next year and even better the year after that. So Mick Cronin's really building something out there. I'll say this about uh, uh, Mike Lewis. You know, when he's been out there, you've kind of watched him from afar, but there was a clip on Twitter um, when they were celebrating, where he went up to Chris Smith, the, the, the best player at UCLA who tore his ACL, I believe, or had a, uh, a season-ending injury, and just gave him a big hug. Um, and that was captured on film while a lot of people were celebrating. And, and that, that speaks some volumes. You know, a lot of coaches do that. Uh, but there's, there's an assistant coach just gone to the Final Four, and he's making sure that everyone's included. Um, you know, that would be a big get if Indiana were to, to be able to lure someone like that. You know, I think Calbert Chaney – uh, also is someone probably maybe being considered um, uh, to, to come back to, uh, you know, and, and it was mentioned earlier, we want some guys who can go out and recruit um, and make sure that, that you help Coach Woodson, who's been in the pros and recruited differently. Free agency is different than recruiting high school guys. So, um, you know, that would be uh, a couple of those guys, I think, will be on uh, the, the radar. So, um Jeff uh, asked, uh, again, assuming all our guys stay in the portal, stay, still have a couple of open scholarships, what type of player? I think we, we talked about shooting. We talked about a stretch four. Um, you know, but you could also see anyone. If you're good enough to play somewhere and it fits Coach Woodson's, I wouldn't be surprised. The one position I don't think, uh, Chris, that we'll get is a center. I, I think, especially if TJD comes back, race. I would, we have a lot of options at the five. With Duncan coming, don't be in. surprised if Brunk comes back too. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, that's about health some for him. That's oh, completely yeah. about health for him. Yeah, I think it, you know after his surgery, his recovery was going well. So I, I don't, you know, he wasn't going to come back this season. You know, the the late, well, we he might, you know, the the statement above, well, we're going to try to get him back in late February. That was never a case, but I think for him, if he feels that he's left something on the court and he wants another chance, I think I don't see why he wouldn't come back if he's healthy. Yeah. Um. And so a couple more of these are about um, transfers. Uh, Aaron asked how many transfers in are likely. You know, we're Indiana technically is at 11 scholarships, right, or 12 with Parker Stewart, correct, if, if everyone well, comes yeah. back, right? So they have the No, freedom. I think they're at, they're at 11. Or 11 because Al Durham. Yeah, because Al's, Al's right. gone, yeah. So they're at 11. So if everyone does come back, they, they have two. Do you think uh, Woodson will fill 13, or do you think he'll stay at 10 or 11? 
um, scholarships. Chris, your thought real quick, and I'll throw it to you, Ryan, afterwards. I think it's just a matter of if he gets the right personnel. I don't think he's going to waste a scholarship on something that he's not committed to in his situation. Could I see him use all the scholarships? I don't think he will use all of them. But if he finds the right guys to fit his system, then who knows? But I, I, I don't see him leaving too many scholarships on the table, especially uh, what in what he needs to do uh, to bring in this year. Yeah, I uh, look. I'm, I'm. Unless you're you're adding somebody who doesn't belong on the team, I'm all for using all your scholarships because we've seen it with Indiana. When you have depth issues late in the season, it stinks not to be able to go to somebody. So. I would say I, I don't think he'll use them all uh, the first year, but I think it's good practice to have a full roster. And certainly, you know, banking one is 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 an you know if you have like a huge recruiting class coming up, banking one certainly makes sense. But um, I don't think they're going to force them to. He's going to like force it and just grab guys. Motto, I don't think Thad Motto will let him do it. You know what I like? Right. Thad Motto is too smart to waste scholarships on guys. I think that it's going to be a, and again, I think it's going to be a, a team effort figuring that all out. Something I, I, I don't have the answer for this, but I'm going to be interesting. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch with the transfer portal too. If you fill 13 scholarships, which I always think you should, it might be hard to keep numbers 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 happy. And if, if the rules stay the same, you're going to have that constant turnover. Um, you know, does it get harder? with the transfer rules of keeping a full roster of 13, are you better with 11 where you have room? Uh, if someone decides they're not happy and leaves, you you automatically have room. You don't have to wait for someone to leave. Uh, those are questions where normally I would agree saying, fill your rosters, have depth. Um, but in this day and age where people want to play, um, it might be harder and harder. Uh, Ryan, your thoughts on on the transfer portal making it harder to, to, to keep people, and, and would one strategy be – um, not filling 13? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I really, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I Like, here's the thing about the transfer portal. Every coach hates it. Right. Absolutely hates it because it's so hard. Because now it's more recruiting you have to do. Recruiting already takes up way too much of their time. And now you're recruiting your own players just to not enter the transfer portal. And then when they do, you got to recruit them to come back. And then if they leave or if it looks like they're going to leave, you got to go recruit somebody else to fill that spot. So uh, this isn't guys. And the thing is, it's not guys who are deep on the bench who aren't playing, who are transferring. This is key lead guards who are transferring. You know, I mean, it's it's a different world in college basketball right now. And I understand, you know, I, I see I support the idea of if you transfer in conference, you should have to sit out a year, but out of conference, stay, you know, go and play immediately with one transfer. I understand why some conferences are talking about putting in a rule where if you transfer in conference, because not only do you lose a guy, then you got to face him. And it's, you know, that's, yeah. that's, and there's plenty of schools out there. Now it's, it's one thing if you move, if you're, if you go to Minnesota and you move to back to West Lafayette because your mom got sick, like that's, that's a different situation. But I do think that, that they're, if they're going to restrict it at all, I think that will be the restriction. Now, it's one free transfer this year for everybody. And then after that, it looks like it's going to be one transfer. And if you transfer again, you got to sit out a year. Right. It, it is sort of the direction it's going. I'm not sure if that was actually officially approved, but it looked like that was the way it was going. Yeah. But this year, it's free for all because nobody has to sit out at all for anything. And uh, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be, I mean, you're going to have rosters completely remade over the next few weeks and looking completely different than they were. I mean, Adam Miller's in the transfer portal from. Illinois, and he was like their next good 
big player, like big name player. And so if you're Brad Underwood, you're completely scrambling right now to figure out how to, you know, change that. It makes sense. They're going after Armand Franklin. Uh, it's just, you know, it, it, you got to be completely on guard if you're a head coach right now. You're, you're absolutely right. Some of the names in the transfer portal have really shocked me because they're guys that were third, fourth best player or starting or had a big role or maybe the sixth man off the bench. And that's why coaches don't like it too. It's like, man, dude, I'm playing you. Uh, and, and you're getting 25 minutes and you're still not happy because you think that you can go somewhere else and, and be a bigger part of something. And I, I appreciate the freedom and I'm all for player movement that one time. Um, it, I am too. By the and way, so I think I it's am. fair. Coaches can leave with no excuse. And coaches I mean, get paid millions of dollars to figure this stuff out. And if they have to work a little harder, they I mean, we have to work a little bit harder. But Chris, your thoughts on have we seen the day and age where 13 scholarships might might be gone because it's just hard to keep people happy uh and it's better to have a 10-11 man roster and try to manage um and not have so many people leave cuz it it's just an optics thing too, you know, um when when players leave. Yes. The stability piece, you know, you saw what Greg Gard said about, and I think he was a little bit extreme and kind of complaining about trivial stuff and, you know, overcoming adversity and all that. But I think, it, you know, we're transitioning more toward the rights and, and privileges for the players, and I think this is a good example of that. And so I think the one thing is going to be, you know, like you said, keeping enough players happy so that um, they're going to they're gonna want to stick around. But I think – you know, it's going to, you know, provide a lot of challenges, but I do think there has to be something, and I definitely agree something in conference is as a definite um, because, you know, like you said, the, the coaches want the players on their team. They don't want to see them and have to face them the next season. So I think there's just going to be all kinds of issues and it's going to be a big adjustment. And I think we all can understand what Indiana is going to field the team it might be a lot of familiar faces. It might be some familiar faces with some new faces. But uh, I, I think uh, Coach Woodson's going to have a, a a good shot of getting the guys that he wants and molding the players um, um, to to the style that that he wants. That's it. We're done. No more questions. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live. Join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show, and thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week or sooner if any news breaks. Until then, take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Welcome, Coach Woodson, to the show. That's a new change. We like it. Very uh, good, very by good. By the way, I, I'm serious, guys. He's, he reminds his voice reminds me of Tone Lokes. That's my – it's it's Tone Loke. I am so upset with you for mentioning that because now I can't get it out of my head. Like when he's doing <laughs> a press conference, I think Funky Cole Medina or Cool Medina, whatever that song's going to come right out of – and he's just going to start Wild going. thing. Yeah, and and, oh, and, yeah. and I want to hear X's and O's, and I hear Tone Loke. So, um, uh, well, you know what? Think of think of lines from Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. He was he was one of the co-stars of that. So, uh, but yeah, that is the first thing I heard. I was in bed, you know, because I woke up early for the press. It was it was you know I woke up at like six forty-five and listened to the press conference at seven out here, and I was just like laying there, and I'm like, 
is that Tone Loke? Like, I didn't, because I'd never really, I'd seen some video of Woodson. I'd seen him in practice, but it's different when you're yelling as to when you're like softly talking into a microphone. So he's going to have that soothing voice after losses, you know, where you're going to be really upset yeah. as a fan. And then you tune into his, and he's just going to talk, and you're going, okay, okay, I'll chill out a little bit. Um, no, that's good. That's good. He should be able to recruit, you know, being Tone Loke. And, you yeah. Know, Chris and I got the Coach Woodson hairstyle going. Hey, I will support anybody who is follically challenged. That's, that's right. That's, uh, that's Do you watch motto. Bald Men on Campus? It's a great show. With, it's, <laughs> who is it? No, it's Billis. And it's Billis's podcast, basically. And it's okay. with a couple other guys. It, they're great. They're hilarious. I'll have to um, check that out. Yeah, it's good. When do you guys uh, expect um, the, the next set of coaching hires? Time period. I would expect one by midweek, probably next week. And then the third one, I think they can take their time with because you've got a decent sized staff at that point who can cover some ground and establish some relationships it, with just one. It's, it's got to be awful for Kenya right now as Woodson's trying to get caught up. And, but I think that they'll get uh, another one. I would assume I would, if I'm guessing Wednesday next week, or maybe one day, either side of that, they'll have their second one. Um, because the season will be over, you know. Um, but then I would say a third probably by the end of, you know, middle of maybe middle of April. Uh, I don't think it'll take, you know, they won't extend this into May because they're going to, they have so much ground to make up with guys uh, just because it's a firing and then you've got to, you know, take your time, find the search, whatever, especially in the transfer portal where guys have been in the portal since, you know, February. So um, I, I think that, that's probably what I would guess is midweek next week for another one. And then they'll, they'll figure out who they want. They'll zero in on for the third spot. I think they got a pretty good idea, probably what they want to do with their second one. And then I would think that their uh, third one, they'll have a range of guys that they'll zero in on. And look, if they miss on this, on the guy and on, you know, one of the guys they've targeted for number two, they just add who's in that third list. You know, they just sort of move down the list from there. But um, I think they'll be very careful with it. I would expect them to go with recruiters all the way across the board to help him. Yeah. Um, that's that's my guess. Is it's all order. Three recruiters on staff pretty much is what I would assume. But, yeah, it's tough to do. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. But, you know, it's also – look, it, it's also – I'm saying that not knowing what Thad Mata thinks, you know. And it's a lot of it's going to be his advice, I think. And, and a lot of it's going to be, this is what you're going to need. This is who you're going to need. These, these are the relationships you're going to need to have who can fill those relationships. Because Thad Mata knows Indiana, knows Indiana recruiting, knows everything about college basketball. He has on speed dial every guy he needs to know in Indiana, and he's going to have to find someone, hey, can this guy fulfill these relationships to get you these players? What long-term. a huge asset. I mean, oh, it's enormous. It's I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. You know. It's, um, and you know, you know that position. Just, just the fact that, just the fact that to watch film, Mike Woodson's going to be able to walk into a room with Thad Mata and have both those minds working yep. together on figuring out what to do, and he's going to have Thad Mata to bounce scouting information off of, whether it's a high school player or uh, you know another college team. I mean, that that position in the past has been very organizational, helping with uh, yes. scheduling and and trips quiet and behind the scenes. Quiet thing. behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah. I think that's still going to be it, but it also adds a, a point of uh, that collaboration. Like, you know, here here's what I, I want to do. This, of of that. yeah, I want to do this, 
what do you think? Well, why don't you think about this? Or what about this? Or, hey, you need to contact this guy. That's a good point. Or like in the hiring, uh, you need this type of guy, this type of guy. I've got you lined up with four guys, coach. Go go pick one of these four, you know, go interview one of these four guys or something of that nature. Man, you couldn't ask for, for sure. someone better, uh, I, I don't think. There's it, nobody in the Midwest more positioned to do that. I mean, legitimately, there's, there's, there's college. I mean, Tom Izzo, maybe, the only other guy in the Midwest who's got at that level. And, and, and Mata knows Indiana better than anybody. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, I I'm think it's going to be tell great. You it's totally different. Um, obviously, um, I've been a head coach for 10 years and now I'm an assistant to one of my former assistants and it's a lot of fun. There's not that head coach, uh, responsibility. I don't have to talk to the press. Don't have to talk to parents. I can go in and then the head coach can say, Hey, you know, watch this film. Tell me what you think, right? And, and you get someone who's had that experience. Uh, but it's nice on my end, and I think it'll be nice on Coach Mata's end too to be able to go in that office and do basketball stuff without having the whole package around. If you really enjoy basketball, he's going to be doing basketball stuff. Um, whether that's you know scheduling recruits or watching recruit film. I mean, he can watch hundreds of tapes of. Re- of recruits sitting in his office, have lunch while he's doing it, you know, and then go, then report out to coach Woodson. Hey, there's what I think, or, or, or scout. It's just so good to have experience that has been through the head coaching experience at that level to be there for a sounding board. I, I think that's just, that's just, um, th- that's just vital. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on, uh, when's this, uh, I know the portal's open 365 days a year. Is, is there, how soon you think some of these decisions are going to be made? Is there a time period where they, they, the players have to, in order to go for summer school and other places, you know, any thoughts you guys on, on when these, those decisions I, I are would, going to come down? I would assume it would be quick on our end. If we're going to hear guys staying just because they've, he, they've already had the meetings, the one-on-one meetings, they had the group meetings. And I would think that if, if the players are not going to stay, then they're going to want to look at their potential suitors and figure out what's going to be best because if it's a coming down to a roster position that maybe one roster position on an ideal place outside of Indiana, it's, you know, not here, that could be, you know, if, if they waste way too much time, you know, I, it's, I don't know. You got to look at it like a free agent situation in a lot of ways, obviously, but I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and plus you want to get to your new place. You can learn the system, learn the guys, yeah. get ready, start getting on court. I mean, these guys are playing all the time. Yeah. Even it's in already the April. It's yeah. April, they're playing so. five on five with each other. They're, they're working out with each other. I mean, you got to get in there quick. So I would expect in the next few weeks we'll we'll really know a lot. You got a month more. of school left too, so you only got uh, what three weeks of classes and finals left yeah. to finish. You got to be in good yep. standing. So, so it, it, in the next couple two or three weeks, and um, you're right. If we start seeing players come in, I think that's a tell um, real quick. Either Coach Woodson has made a decision, or the players have made the decision. If you start seeing reports of, if we do happen to get a commitment from someone before we hear. Uh, definitively uh, one way or the other. And it might be a situation too, where guys, you want to come back, we're looking at, you know, Noah Locke and we're looking at the, the girly kid and we're looking at some of those kids, you know, um, yep. you better come back if you want to come back type of thing too. You, you know, you want to be fair, but there's some of that. There's always some of that in recruiting. If you have two recruits, it's like, we'll take the one who commits first um, type deal in, in high school recruiting. Yep. So. All right, boys. All right. It was a good one. Good job. Thanks for coming on, Chris, as always. We love seeing you. Happy to be here, always. I'm sure you've had a lot of inquiries this week. about. Oh, well, you know, I, the highlight of my day 
before this was talking to that Spokane news reporter about the 76 team. So that how do you get uh, in contact with you? Did somebody direct through, him through Galen? He talked oh, okay. to Galen. Yeah. There's a, there's another guy in their network of, so it was all about the, uh, the perspective, you know, getting everybody, you know, the pins and needles position that we're in now with a potential <laughs> undefeated. So, but yeah, it's like, yeah, honestly, they're a worthy team. They really they are. are. And so you know good. what? It's a record that's going to have to be broken at some point. At I know some, some point. of us don't want to hear that, but it doesn't change the fact that the 76 team is is that. And they yeah, won. it doesn't diminish the 76. That's yeah. what I, I was explaining. They went 36-0 in conference play. I mean, top that, you know, that's not going to happen in the big yeah. game ever again. So No. But I enjoyed it, boys. Thanks yep. for having it's me. It's just good to have Thanks, some buddy. good news heading in the right way after the way the season ends. It at least gives yep. us some hope and – some positivity and everyone if you're less like me i keep checking my phone come on there's got to be some announcement today there's got to be there's got to be something today it's been four or five days of solid stuff i was bored today uh i guess i should be it's teaching exciting times right yeah yeah it is all right guys, see you guys. All right, we'll see you good Take night care. thanks everyone sticky notes email alerts a string around your finger they're just not big enough so here's a big reminder from the california lottery the mega millions jackpot is over 250 million Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over 250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.